1: Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is... Oh, thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's
0: clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What
1: great podcast. Shappi you're too kind. The podcast is it's called... biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster.
0: I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn.
1: Can you tell your friends?
0: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, and welcome to Out of Character, a podcast about sketch and character comedy. My name is Alex Lynch. In this show, I chat to writers and performers from the world of sketch and character comedy, find out what made them venture into it, talk about their characters, maybe meet some of their characters, and generally just shoot the breeze and, more importantly, have a laugh. My special guest for episode seven is the hairy wonder himself, John Henry Fall, a.k.a. the Story Beast. Hello there.
1: I'm delighted to be discussed as a hairy wonder that is <laughs> that's, that's lovely. I I that's going to become that's that's my new sort of dark knight detective cape crusader <laughs> style sort of, you know. You're happy with that? I'm happy with that. The hairy wonder.
0: How uh, how are you getting on in lockdown because I should of course point out that we are recording this in lockdown.
1: I I'm very well uh all things considered. Uh without uh repeating the same story I'm sure you've had for uh, for your other guests. Works works thin <laughs> on the ground at the moment, uh, and so uh, you know, shooting breeze. You know, really just like hunting it down and giving it double uh is that's that is that's all that we can really do at this point in time. I, I've I've enjoyed I have you know in an obscene way because with something like all encompassing like this, it's impossible to not have good things and ba- as well as bad things. Yes, because it's just it's it's the everything. So there are positives, you know, like like in yeah. every other form of of life and existence that existed previously, there are good things and bad things. Yeah. But I've enjoyed I have enjoyed the the process of getting into making things online. I've uh, I've been reading old spooky old horror stories um, on Twitch, and I've really enjoyed that. That is uh, that was something I already enjoyed doing, just to, to friends and to myself. And I happen to have a a great big stack of of classic ghost story anthologies which i've just picked up at various second hand bookshops and charity shops over the years and so that becomes a, then a tax deductible resource doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> here's the piece of advice if you want to assemble a collection of eclectic books just never not go into a charity shop that's that's the trick <laughs> it's just like you you just yeah. never and there are ones which are better than others but you do develop a kind of a i i've developed a little sort of you know decks almost of these are my favorites this one shit can't, can't be going into there my my favorite though for the most eclectic stuff i've received over the years is uh tesco's on finchley high road <laughs> i see loads of interesting people either die or get bored of books <laughs> eventually uh there have some really good sci-fi books some wow. great some great horror anthologies. Uh, some great children's books. Uh, oh no, I've, I know I've a great book on mongooses. On oh, mongooses. Mongooses on the the. Are they, are they not mongoose? Mo- it's mongooses. That's the name of the book. It's Is it's it? very clear. It's okay. very clear on that fact. It's the first bit of information you learn about mongooses uh, in on, on the from this book, you know. Uh, and so, oh, I really highlighted my ignorance there, didn't I? That's why there are books out there on this very important subject. In order to cease their ignorance, to you know, sort of to have be a voice in the wasteland. Yeah, it's it's all about the zoology, morphology. Breeding habits and mythology or around mongooses, but I love it. I generally love it. It's, <laughs> it. It is, uh, yeah, that and uh, a book on Australian whalers. But this is this is basically how uh, how I live my life. And I think if we sort of come back round to to character comedy which <laughs> this is ostensibly about not about where to find yeah you stay the fuck by the way anyone listening stay the fuck away from the p- table <laughs> but yeah i think i think yeah i i'm a big believer that there's nothing that is wasted there's nothing that is wasted and it's just like and everything comes out somewhere so i mean eventually you know, I mentioned the book on mongooses and the book of on the whaling in in the southern seas. Yeah, and yes. e- eventually I've so there's a vain hope in me that that'll come out in my work, and I've got and I've got sort of like bits. i have like, I've, I've good, definitely got an idea about whaling, but at the same time, the book on the book on mongooses is it's yet to find its way out. I've yet perhaps get to the right bit in it where I go. That's what I needed to know about mongooses. That's now material that's now something which, you know is eclectic and you know I've you know because I, I I do one character really
0: when you've done the escape rooms and the live like crystal maze and stuff like that are they a kind of version of the story beast or are they very different like what's the how does that normally work
1: it depends entirely on what what is required so it's like, i mean i've done so i've done loads of I was in the Crystal Maze live experience. I was part of the the, the the originating group. We were sort of figuring out what the hell what this could be in a live uh, ex- experience. And yeah, I, and so what was the character that came to mind? And so what you were looking for in that, you know, in a sort of game show hosty th- way, and with a lot of immersive characters, is you're looking for something which you can wear like a second skin. Because ultimately, when you're dealing with something which is uh, when you're dealing with an audience who is going to bring all sorts of bizarre things and, it, and it's very much their experience as well you are guiding them yes. through a series of games for anyone not familiar with the crystal maze uh and you are and their success and their failure and the bizarre questions they will inevitably ask the, the members of the great British public then yeah you were you wanted something that was a second skin which is a, a roundabout way of saying yeah i was I was basically just the fucking story beast during that so <laughs> so it was, yeah it was just yeah of course. it was like it was a character <laughs> uh, i played for years on stage and so the the idea of doing another version of that called the baron i came up with the name the baron yeah. yeah i decided well i'll just do that then and there were a number of people who knew me who did the who did the crystal maze and then suddenly realized oh we're in the room with the story beast it's like are you the story beast like shh they mustn't know and in my mind yeah there was 100 uh you know this is the 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 back the back story that 100%, it, the story beast had accidentally got lost in the crystal maze, and this was this was some bizarre divine punishment for being made to uh to go to do the same, basically the same hour and twenty minutes over and over and over again for years. It was because I I did it not mechanically, as you know we you know occasionally you do something like a bizarre like a six or seven show day. And that would... And so, yeah, of course, by the end of that, you you perhaps get a little mechanical with it. But uh, ideally, you'd say the same words, but you'd always be responding to the audience and you always try and make it sound new. So, yeah, that was always something which you would... Know, you were effectively doomed to repeat. You were in... I was in a time warp, effectively, doing the same thing over and over and over again <laughs> for, for three years. Yeah. So, it was, so you were literally... You know, it's a time-space game show. Uh, from the point of view of the, uh, of the audience, you're doing something it's It's something entirely new to them, but from your point of view, you are doing exactly the same thing over and over and over. You are in a, ta- a literal time loop uh and that was that was a bizarre situation but it was it was a fun job
0: Would they be so different that you could it felt fresh or were the responses kind of where they kind of a bit stock as well <laughs> the audience reactions
1: uh it, 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 it depended i mean you got i mean obviously you know if you do it through anything for three years you start to see patterns in it. it it thing which amazes me about about audience member about a lot of audience members of who watch yeah. comedy or, or theater of certain kinds is their sort of inability to recognize what precisely they've watched so i was in i, I was in a sketch show for many years called the beta males uh, uh out yes. with Richard Soames we have had on this program. And sometimes we get people at the end of our shows, they come by, you know, we were shaking a bucket for our free shows or they'd see us outside uh in the in the court in the peasants' courtyard or something and uh, they would say it's amazing and we thought you didn't know didn't know how it was possible to make all that kind of stuff up on the spot. And I thought well, we didn't we we, we didn't we, we we wrote that. we spent months <laughs> writing that. did you and, it, 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 and I, we get this like you know uh. after the shows where quite obviously like, we had like video elements to it or you know special effects to it and <clears throat> it's like wow. how could we have come up with that on the spot? How could we have come up with that on the spot? There's literally no way of doing it. And at the same time, I've come out of improv shows where people said it was the writing was amazing, and it's just like, no, oh my no, you've misunderstood. <laughs> the whole point is we came up with that on the spot. You know, that's what's impressive about it. So it's like the inability of people to figure out what they've seen. You know, it's a matter of you know sort of uh, educate, educa- uh, education, and you know, but you know, unless you are in this world or. You know, or or don't you know? Aren't just watching Netflix. Uh, you know, or all t- the TV, or going to the cinema. You know, re- regularly. If you're going to theater regularly, perhaps you don't feel that way. But it's uh, you don't you don't make those mistakes. Uh, among the ones which haunt me, among the ones which haunt me, because uh, <laughs> for there are many. Sure, uh, was I had a very. I had a very nice upper middle class family. Very, very nice and very posh. They also sounded like this. And, and sort of and so we we get people to become the captain. And the captain in this case was Mame. And Mame was uh Mame it's an E H at the end. <laughs> Mame Mame. Mame yes, was of course. End, you know, um they were all very very sweet. There's nothing nothing you know rotten about them, but they, they could all afford the rather hefty entry fee to the Crystal Maze Live experience. Very hefty, very hefty. So they nominated Mummy the Captain, and I all I'd always put the Captain into the first game. Makes sense. They've got to assert their dominance. They've got to earn their dominance. Um, and I put her into, you know, she was a woman in her late fifties, early sixties. So I, I decided, well, I put I'll put her into the murder mystery game. And the murder mystery game is actually one of my absolute was one of my absolute favourites. It was a really well put together classic who done it in one room. So you know, the idea is you had three minutes to solve this you know there's a you know and guy's got a knife in his back around a poker table yep you know who's done it and it's you know and you've got to figure out oh well someone was cheating at cards who was it you know oh and where's the where's the crystal is it in one of these these boxes over here clear simple beautiful game you know sort of and you know obviously you know in order to avoid becoming you know room raiders another 90s game show reference You had to sort of ask them the right questions, otherwise they'd just start sort of tearing through everything. But of course, no one could hear me because everyone of this lovely, slightly well-to-do posh family uh, had to get their freaking awe in. Uh, So they just like they were all shouting at mummy for a solid three minutes without, without ever considering that I might potentially be asking some some quite pertinent (laughs) questions, which might just lead you. To figure out, oh, have you checked his pockets? Oh, 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 what were they doing when they started playing cards? Have you checked their pockets? Anything around you might be interested in, there's definitely something in the pockets. When I ask you that, that's not like to throw you off, but they evidently decided they couldn't trust me and that they'd. And, and so basically, after she came out and was sort of ju- chastened by the experience of a load of people she loves shouting at her, <laughs> everyone sort of turned on, on me. And sort of like, you put mummy through that. You put mummy through. It. How could you wow. do that to mummy? You know, and I had to really. Uh, how how old how old are these little these are these are these are, little these, these little you know adult children were you know they were, all, <laughs> they were like you know in their twenties you know university and higher age you know decided you know as God. a as a family to go out and do that it, and it, it you know I won the round eventually but it's still like the experience of like shouting about and you could see all sorts of you could see all sorts of family dynamics coming out and you know husbands who tell their Wives, what to do? Or to just say oh, she's a bit stupid. Uh, you know, she's a stupid blonde or something like that. And you, you see all the the absolute worst. You see the absolute best as well. But you know, you put someone in a, a weird, competitive, artificial, competitive environment like that, and you can't help but see, you know, things naturally coming out of people bubbling uh-huh. to the surface. Because I, and because I saw it over and over and over again, you sort of see, you sort of see people's natural reactions to stress, people's natural reactions to problem solving sort of coming out and you know i'm sure this is the experience of everyone who does team leading building you know bullshit and uh that sort yes. of that sort of environment you know or any sport or any sport <laughs> uh any five-a-side football team or the weekend you know but that is it was it was quite interesting to me and i i you saw you learned a bit about human nature what people were like but mabe was good <laughs> Mummy, mummy. Mummy. Mummy.
0: You put mummy through that. You put mummy
1: through that. I cannot believe you did that. Uh, It's (laughs) just... (laughs) just, (laughs) Beginning was a silence. Then rumbles in the sky. And so the people cast about to ask each other, why? They could not quite explain it. No, the thunder nor the rain. How skies could sound like mammoths do, too, suffering toothy pain. Then came he one to tell them all, seen hobbling out the east, an ambling sort of shamble man, a hairy
0: story beast. Can you please, for people who might not be familiar with the Story Beast, can you explain who the Story Beast is? But also, how long have you been doing it? And when did it first arise? Story Beast is a trans-dimensional wizard
1: and Mm -hmm. tale teller uh, who is thousands of years old. And his voice sort of changes based entirely on what, what I need it to be. At any particular time, but usually, a sort of, he's he's a sort of half cut guy in a in a, tre- in a in a in a in a trench coat, and he's sort of he, he looks yeah he looks about as as sweaty and unprepossessing a character as as you might imagine. He's a hairy, sweaty man in a coat, um, unless, of course, I'm performing for children, in which case I've got a slightly different tone of voice, which is he is more wide-eyed and he is more sort of concerned and listened and. Quiet and I try and I also try and clear the sweat off my brow as much as possible. Um, it's like just because it's it's aesthetically displeasing. Uh, so I've been doing him as a character since 2014. Uh, I I started improvising, so I did I fucked up an English degree. Um, is the is the beginning of it. I mean, this is the start of every of everyone's journey into the descent into character comedy. I fucked up an English degree. Uh, and uh, part of the, the fuck it upness, the first bit I fucked up on was learning uh, Old English. And Old English is an absolutely fascinating sort of shadow language behind English. And it is this this sort of Germanic uh, language which the Anglo-Saxon people uh, spoke. And I started off doing uh, the, the Epic of Beowulf. Basically, it just started around the around the Christmas dinner table. My brother also was also doing an English degree and was also having trouble with. He's more conscientious than me, so he was doing better at it. But so we started just improvising bad uh, Anglo-Saxon each other: mm-hmm. with uh, whit, dangle, and dwingling dangle," and you know, sort of just like because it, it sounds, you know, the first bit of Beowulf is Wait we so it's this bizarre language, uh, but it's like you know that and that doesn't sound like English, but in fact what that says is you know uh, long have we heard the tales of ancient kings in halls, uh and you know it's the beginning of this this great big epic. And uh, because we just started, you know, improvising a, a, a shit version of that, I, just, I thought, well, that's a that's a that's probably a bit. I think I could do if I did the entirety of the story of Beowulf, which is a very, it's a very sim, it's uh, on the surface of it, a very simple story. It's it's you know about a guy yeah. who fights three monsters. He's brought in to fight three monsters, and uh, there's all sorts of stuff to it, and there's all sorts of brilliant uh, tale telling and language in there. Uh, that's fundamentally that that's the plot so yeah i'm right i'm doing it in this sort of big declamatory style which is my version of how the scalds the sort of the storytellers would go into these mead halls these sort of grand long halls, mm. and tell these stories and so i just i shout in nonsense for around seven <laughs> minutes telling this story you know sort of because it is such a basic story about a guy fighting monsters so you're able to regardless of what's going on you can sort of get it you can sort of get it from my physicality and from the nonsense it's very uh, the big the big touchstone for it is channel nine from the far show Channel Nine. Oh and yes, like, of course. bono estente You know, it's like it's complete nonsense, but because of the context and what you're and the visuals, you know exactly what's going on, and so that's a, t- I I love that, and you know nonsense poetry as well. You know, gyring and gimbling in the wave. So I so I started doing that, and that's where the character came from. Because I then just had to decide, oh. well, I've got seven minutes of this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> what character does that? Uh, yeah, and that's that's basically where it came from. And the second bit was sort of a list of, you know, Willy Willy, Harry Stee, Harry Dickson, Harry 3. Uh, you know, that sort of poem about poem about kings and queens, which there's an online version of that. I did a very nice illustrated version of that on YouTube. Next, Charlie 4, Chantel, Paris, Bessie 3, Paul Paul and Reese. Ned the Ninth reigned well enough, if you'll ignore that war and stuff. Henry Eight throws from the dead bad news for wife is seven's head uh, i just had to decide well what i know I've, now, I've i've got an aesthetic which which now we'd we'd call probably folk horror it wasn't really called that at the time it it, it it was an idea and it was something that i was interested in but it's something which is far more sort of in the the consciousness at the moment but it was a sort of folk horror fantastical kind of feeling of just like of, of an english weird with a Y, yes, weird with a yes. Y, which is which is a fascinating <laughs> thing, and is quite sort of you know it's it's as typified by the the Wicker Man, which is one of my absolute favorite films. So he's basically that yes. sort of character. He's sort of out of time, out of place, and uh, but he is still bringing the same kind of entertainments that might have been enjoyed thousands of years ago or in the year nine hundred, but now. And so it's and so you know I also do stuff like the entirety of Die Hard. Uh, in you know in a, sort of in byronic verse uh, and and you do the teddy bears picnic the a version where it's like because yeah where it is every bear that ever there was <laughs> you know and just going into the, the logic <laughs> of what that might actually mean yeah uh the horrors of what that might actually be so it's yeah it's folk horror really it's sort of it's going into kind of the <clears throat> the idea of a sort of our sort of collective childhood uh, as a na- as a nation, as a you know as English speaking people, uh, and sort of going, isn't there something just a bit disturbing in that? I, but I, I, it's it's strange. It's very strange. I mean, with the Beowulf thing, you suddenly realise like when you're going into something like the English weird. Or the, you know, even calling it like the English word. I'm not English, I'm British, but I'm from Jersey. Uh, I happen to live in South London, you know. So that, that What a political space that is, because folk horror, once Brexit had happened, took on this whole new feeling. And I my my second full hour show was kind of like, it was a kind of fever dream based on my own anxiety about uh brexit and about well what what oh god what i picked this folk horror thing what does it mean should i be a bit more political and i don't think it was entirely successful the second one was like kind of a rock and roll show this is bardcore was this what it was called yeah and so i the first bit was you know whatever happened to the country that you once knew uh but even that it created an unnatural sense of anxiety and you sort of you become aware of like unless people know they're looking at satire they find it very difficult they find it very difficult to sort of say, well, you know, perhaps he's taking this seriously. And it's because I'm speaking with this voice in this way, you know, but I I was talking about I was talking harking back to a country where there were lax bestiality laws. It's that classic with satire, you know, where it's is it a prison where people see themselves Or is it going to affect any change whatsoever? And I don't think I changed anyone's mind. I think anyone who came into that room was probably... (laughs) If they did know what they were coming in for, they they weren't going to have their mind changed. And if they they were sort of expecting a right-wing comedian, they probably came out of it a bit a bit baffled and annoyed anyway so you know it's like or worse enjoyed it <laughs> and that's you know in which case it was complete failure ultimately we live in the 21st century where things are being remade in new formations over and over and over again so mm. and and are polymorphously perverse uh so you are sort of trying to enjoy that kaleidoscope of history and yeah uh while at the same time sending it all up and so that's that's really what I've, I've been trying to do with it. I tried to do it in the medium of poetry and rock songs and, and not uh, utter nonsense as opposed to saying what it is. But that's since we're talking about behind it, that's what it is.
0: But I think that's good because it's just more subtle and it's sort of like, yeah, you get the people who don't, who, as you say, sort of miss the point or don't quite see it. But equally, you'll get people who it will resonate more because they feel it's not spoon fed to them. You know, you're, you're letting them sort of work out whatever the subtext is for themselves initially
1: and this is the yeah. same with all comedians you do the stuff that makes you laugh first and foremost yes. and then you you sort of open it out obviously you know it's not a total secret because you are you're performing it on a stage uh you know but if people don't get it they don't get it but if people and and actually people get very angry uh, unbelievably angry and i think i did it as a teenager and as someone yeah. who was in early twenties trying to define for himself what comedy definitely was and definitely wasn't. I you know, you start with yourself, and I don't think anyone has the right to get angry over whether it's you know, if it's not offensive yeah. and not kicking down and it's not taking cheap shots. Exactly. You know, it's not like not taking shots at people, exactly. It's like it's then you've got absolutely no right to get angry at just not getting it. But you'd be surprised the number of people who do that because they think it's an assault upon their intelligence, and it's just like you know, just like, and I've I okay, here's here's the thing, here's the thing. Mm. This is this is John Henry Fall's sort of grand theory on audiences. I think there are four types of audiences. You've got the audience that gets it and likes it, and you want those people because they are your people. They are the be- they are the nerds who absolutely love you, and so you're absolutely and so they're yes. great. You've got the people who get it. And don't like it. Those people are snobs. Fuck them. You know, or, or just like at the same time, you know, their 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 taste might not align with yours. But you know, sort of but you yeah. know, if they didn't like it, they didn't like it. At least they tried. You've got the people who don't get it and don't like it. Those people are idiots, don't worry about it. And then you've got the people who don't get it and do like it. And those are kind of the bravest people. Someone who doesn't get something. But likes it anyway. They're, they're kind of adventurers in their own heads. They're just like, they're just, they are looking for something which is genuinely unsettling and they, they're kind of heroic. And I love, I love that. I, Actually, <laughs> I, I that's, that's one of the reasons I love children as well. I love, I abs- and I love performing for children and making stuff for children because everything is a grand sort of adventure for them, whereby it's like, yeah, here's another thing. Kids love learning things. They recognise, yep, yeah, that's one of the that's one of the sort of the characters we've seen in storybooks. You know, that is that's that's all. I say I'm a wizard. You know, some kids say, "Oh, that, you're not a wizard." And I say, "I am. I've got a beard." And some some kids go, "Oh, yeah, he's right. He does have a beard, actually." That, that's a <laughs> good point. I remember what it was like to be a child, and that is one of the things I think that's one of my strengths as a yeah somebody who writes children's poetry and tries to work for children because. Because children naturally, quite a lot of children, and I've certainly was like this, cannot stand fakery and they cannot stand people who are just putting it on. Well, some children can, but they, they've got very low. They, you know, all children are an yeah. audience like anything other. There's a gradation of, you know, I'm going for the really good kids. I'm not going for any of the shit kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm not for the shit Yeah, Put that on my profile. Not for the. Story beats. Not for the shit kids. Mummy. Uh, <laughs> Mummy i do not i i do not like the story of this. <laughs> oh, that's i've got some news for you mommy i've got some news for your mommy. Uh... <laughs> you, mommy know, i said it's one one child said i you know you're not wizards at the library gig and i said i am yeah i am you're not i am you're not i am i am and i'll tell you what i am a wizard because i say i am are you a wizard and he says i am good nice to meet another wizard shake his hand that's another wizard out that's another wizard out in the world that's fine we need they need we need more of them uh you know more adventurers in the mind you know that is you know i'm a big believer in alan moore's you know idea of magic whereby you're creating something out of nothing in an attempt to bring about a change in someone's head Magic and art are the same thing. There's a brilliant phrase, I wish I could remember the name of the artist, but she did this thing with her her infant daughter where she showed her a rose. Yeah. She held the rose out in front of her and said, is the rose beautiful? And and the daughter says, yes, it's beautiful. She puts it behind her back. Is the rose still beautiful? And she says, yes. It's like, but here's the thing. You can't see the rose. The rose in your head is the thing which is beautiful. The idea of beauty the idea of think you know there is a world which is your brain yes and it is a very different place to the world outside of it and it's it it's, it's kind of a more it's a you know equally complex and bizarre thing to the universe around it and so you are trying to you're not really talking about the real world you're trying to connect with another person's brain yeah so this is all very lofty this is in no way useful to anyone who's trying character comedy but this is this no, is my idea it's... of magic and that that's something which which genuinely anyone can do um, yeah you and you are trying to you are trying to put things in other people's brains you are a virus of the mind and you are trying to put that in their mind that's what happens when you when you tell a joke and the audience you don't need to tell the punchline because the audience have already worked it out in their head
0: exactly and also it it's it's a uh, like with magic, it's about keeping an illusion, and same with character comedy, you're keeping an illusion, aren't you? You're, you're mm. trying not to break out of that.
1: Absolutely, you're trying to you're trying to sort of remain, yeah, the illusion of other people, and uh, and you've got to at some level believe it. So part of maintaining the illusion of being a wizard is saying you are and trying to uh, act as if magic's real.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, character comedians are wizards.
1: Yes. I'm going to say that, you can quote me on it. It's that's that's my that's the end of my the point of my of my scientific researches on this matter, yes.
0: Letting all of you know that myself and my friend Philippa Dunn and I have released a second series of our podcast, We Heart Worry. Join us for hard-hitting discussions on flashing your neighbours accidentally, looking after a child's pet when they go away and, of course, that most universal of worries, a strong fear of chicken. That's We Heart Worry. Find us where you find good podcasts. (laughs) If you had to be isolated with any TV comedy character from sketch or sitcom, who would it be?
1: Yeah, I, I, thing is, it's like it's oh, it's very difficult. Each one of them has a crack in them. Which every <laughs> every great comedy character has a crack in them. Who's yeah? I'd have to pick someone I just wouldn't mind hanging out with. You know, I Yeah, fuck it. You know, like I I either just, you know, Frasier or Niles just seem like they've just got a, a lot to talk about. We've got a lot I think we'd probably get on and have a have a lot to talk about. We I have to I have to pick which crane, brother. You have to pick which one. So uh, I think I think I don't I don't think me and Frasier could really be in the room together. I think that's I think it's I I think I've always been the Frasier. My brother's always been the Niles. I think I think I'll just have to hang out mm. with Niles. We've got we've always had that dynamic and it was a, a big part of our childhood. Yeah. Was watching, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I didn't want to be a comedian. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And I've, but I, my uh, my maths wasn't great, and uh, that was uh, considered important for getting a medical degree. So, you're go with Niles. I think I'm probably I'm gonna go with Niles. Yeah, he's he's, he's 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 irritating in his own ways, but you know, I think I think he's a person who. We'd probably enjoy each other's company. He's he's a very he's very snobby, but he'd know the the right things to see at the theatre.
0: You'd be watching national theatre at home with him. Yes, on the sofa. It's starting to sound like Niles and I. Uh, uh, you know, I, I
1: think <laughs> I think if I was in a relationship with Niles, and I think that's I probably yeah married to Niles in this scenario. I'm married to him. It's great, great, and he can and he <laughs> can support us. Poor him for marrying, for marrying. <laughs> this dreadful <laughs> dreadful man who's a bit like his brother a little more <laughs> abrasive version of his brother there are people who can play all sorts of different characters and you and obviously you know i love doing different voices but at the same time you've sort of got to recognize well what is what are the sort of the characters that do stick around what do you have the most which of them have the most life? And, you know, something like Partridge. The thing I love about Partridge is, if you had to, like, sum it up in a sentence, what is Adam Partridge? It's quite hard, because he's he's sort of omnidirectional as a character. He's like a whole mindset, and it's like, even if you had to sort of say, well, he's a Brexiteer, isn't he? You're like, is he? Like, you sort of, like, he'd probably slip and slide on that issue, but at the same time, does he also sum up something of a of a sort of a brexiteer mindset of a a joy that you know the 70s was our sort of finest hour as a sort of as a nation you know that you know these post-war years you know his love of the bond of you know roger the fact that roger moore is his favorite bond (laughs) strikes up something which is like says says more about the character and his aesthetic choices than sort of saying what he what is wrong with him. What's wrong with Alan? And I've listened to the whole I love the that we need to talk about Alan, you know, the biography. Oh. You know, God, and it was yes. you know, I was happy to listen to five hours of Steve Coogan doing, you know, variations on what is essentially subtle gradations of the same joke. Yeah. But it's hard to put your finger on what that joke is.
0: It's also interesting because because he's been around for so long, he goes across so many different types of people. That start out as kind of well, not stereotypes, but you know, they you kind of have the the sort of figure everyone knows that kind of radio DJ, that kind of sports presenter, and then you find these little nuances. Yeah, they sort of you sort of wear it as a second skin almost.
1: It's like it's the you know people like you know with something someone who's as long running as Partridge, you know, sort of, you know Hamlet's only a few thousand you know a few hundred lines, you know, but Partridge has got years and years and years and years. Of this endless, you know, biography, yeah. uh, you know, unrolling biography of this tedious, tedious man. Yes, uh, yeah. and uh, I, but I love that. I, you know, I love, I love it when characters can sort of break out of those of just being one place. Yeah. one of my absolute favourite things on the internet. It, there's the footage of all the ro- the roasts of uh, Frank Sinatra. And Dean Martin. Oh
0: wow! And
1: They're great. They're really good. They're all on YouTube. And one of my absolute favorite bits of them is um, is Peter Falk as Columbo yes. coming out, and he he's like because of course you know Columbo is is a great character anyway. He's you know I love I love old Columbo's, but the but he's watching him kind of removed from the from the um, structure of the Who Done It or the uh, sort of the how-done-it. Yes. He's really, he's really excited. And he's just like, there's a bit where he just, like, he's saying, uh, my, uh Mrs. I uh, just want to, Mr. Uh, Mr. Martin, I'm very I'm totally sorry. Uh, can I just uh, get that uh, napkin? It's my uh, my wife will kill me if I don't do this. Uh, do you have a pen on you? Like, and he takes the pen off of him. He said, thank you very much, Mr. Martin. It's very kind of you. And then he hands it to Frank Sinatra. And he said, can you make that out to my wife? You know, just completely negging Dean <laughs> <G>. Martin. <laughs> you know, it's like, can you make it out to my wife? and her? i and she also brought this uh this uh, it's a lasagna it's like uh, yeah, i i i don't wanna uh, i don't uh, yeah. want it like, you know that's you don't have yeah enjoy it you know having it in the freezer or whatever and then stuff. um you know here's my address so you can drop the uh that's, uh, that's Pyrex. it's that's real Pyrex right there <laughs> it's just it's one it's beautiful it's just like all the things which you know are there in the character on on the on t v are then on stage and it's just like but you know there's no murder mystery he exists beyond it he's kind of exploded beyond the the the, the structure of the tv show that's great there was something which um i'd all i'd wanted to try for years was uh, second city television which was which is a fantastic show it was from the 70s it was john candy rick moranis martin short uh Catherine o'hara Andrea Martin. It was a good news. Uh, fantastic actors, character actors. But they, they did this. Um, they used to do this thing on the show before, before the show, where they do, where well, they do what was called improv from the chair. Yeah. And so what they did is they would get. So they'd have the costume and the makeup department sort of come to them, and they'd sort of say, you know, they'd have a plate of noses for instance, and they'd like, you know, all, and false teeth, and you know, they'd sort of put these things on wigs, you know, then they'd, you know, and it's like, well, and, and they'd try out what the voice was for each one of those characters. And so, you, and and so they were sort of, like, improvising, well, what were they? So a lot of these the characters, which are so bodily, and, you know, like you only have to look at the way that they embody those characters, some of that is of the chance of, like, well, it's allowing something to lead you. Yeah, it's, it's Johnny Morris Animal Magic as well. Like, there's a kind of <laughs> yes. theatre of the mind going on there. Is sort of, well, what does what what fills up actually? That, again, in terms of like stuff which is great to watch and make you think about these sorts of things. There was a great documentary a few years ago for, for Johnny Morris Animal Magic, where they basically just interviewed him about the show. And, you know, it was just, it was just, it was, it's a, a really good character, character actor doing doing voices for animals, if anyone's unfamiliar with that as a concept. Characters of the animals. He was what, because what he'd do is they'd film it and then he would do the voices. You know, he would do the voices in sort of person as they were doing it and then they'd sort of voice over over the top of it. But it's like you're letting something else lead and letting that sort of bit of. Is like it's like the grit, the grit that makes the pearl in the oyster. It's the it's the wabi sabi, the kind of that that Japanese idea of like the imperfect thing, which actually gives you something very beautiful. It's like letting something real lead you.
0: So it's interesting, like having talked about like animal magic and um, Second City TV and everything. Are these what made you? sort of want to get into character comedy in the first place did you watch all these I, uh, well, when you i, were lo- growing I watched up? i
1: watched loads of cartoons i was you know i was a complete telly addict as a child so it's like and and yes so, so a lot of these 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 things were on and you know i i liked that sort of big wacky style of a Amer- very american cartoons mm. and that and my love of character actors like watching Doctor Who and just like nonstop, you know, sort of who from the RSC do we have in this week? To to <laughs> everyone, you know, who, you know, to demean themselves, you know, you know, and bring you know, bring amazing heights to to you know to to uh, to to bizarre space, yes, uh, space monsters. <laughs> you know, and, uh, Tom Baker, obviously, who's got this marvelous just very particular way of speaking uh and they That's are a very good impression uh thank you i've been working on it for years
0: <laughs> um
1: and you know so they, they they go in and you do you do impressions of them and uh, me and my brother i used to i used encouraged because my brother and i were absolutely addi- also addicted to computer games but me just a li- just a little less so uh i was always encouraged to sort of take my brother out and play with him So I'd sort of force him to to play, you know, we'd play these sort of imaginative games. We had a game called Low Budget Wars. uh, And Low Budget Wars, because we liked Star Wars, but of course, we only had like a couple of garden canes, bamboo garden canes to to pretend to be like. So it was Low Budget Wars. And the entire, you know, it was... It was just, it was just us doing various silly voices and usually me sort of ordering him around as no, that, that, what happens is this. Uh, and you know, and uh but he would play the main character and I would inflict bar- basically sort of punishments on him. And of course, uh, you know, play all the other characters. Uh but uh yeah, it was absolute absolute nonsense. Uh, as you might expect, but it was a uh, it was playground for those for those voices. Uh and then years later I, I started making first of all sort of radio programs and you know little radio yeah. programs with my friends uh in in bedrooms and then and because one of us was particularly my friend rob birraway was particularly good at his media studies at GCSE and A level we we ended up sort of making comedy films for him uh and uh uh, and yeah, I, the best one was easily. I don't speak in it at all. No one speaks. It's just it's a it's a music video for Johnny Cash's "When the Man Comes Around." Uh, but I am uh, a giant. I have blown up to giant size with very sophisticated effects for a seventeen-year-old. But yeah, blew me up, blew the school up, had me tread all over Saint Helier. The capital of Jersey, you know, sort of, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, we had the airfix planes and tanks coming in to, you know, attack me. And what year is this in terms of technology? This is with all the power of a of a of a sort of multicolored lollipop flavored iMac uh, circa the year. Two thousand and three, and he got he got top mark. He got the highest marks for media studies A level in the country, uh, and it was, he got one hundred percent with it. Uh, so still, still proud of that for my mate Rob. <laughs> not my, not mine, of course. I, you know, I let my my exams go to pot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are now on to the final section of the podcast change of character.
1: I see. Yes. I I I am I'm on board.
0: Yes. <laughs> Good. So this name uh was has been gifted to you by Susan Harrison. Excellent. Love Susan. yeah. The name is Linda
1: Worksop. Linda Worksop. Linda Worksop. She's um I I think it's quite clear that Linda is she's it works in HR and she's very she's very she's very clear. About uh, how we uh, we cannot have any more of these kinds of disturbances in the workplace. I think it's quite clear. I, hands up, who has felt undermined by your behaviour, Alex? I think I think all this co- this constant asking <laughs> of questions is really undermining the confidence of everyone here. I I, th- I can't help but feel like your attempt to create a a divide. You know, in in trying to in trying to divide the room between questioners and questionees uh, is an attempt to prop yourself up. I mean, why do you feel the need to do this?
0: I want people to impart information impart about themselves information and their and their and views. Their views. Mm. And why do their views matter to you? How is that going to improve your your workflow? Because because it's it's to, it's to do, do with... it's... carry on. <laughs> We're all listening. <laughs> it's for a podcast. For oh, a podcast. A podcast, yeah.
1: A podcast. Do you have podcasts, Linda? I don't listen to them. Can't stand them. Waste of time. It's just, it's just, it's just radio you choose. I, I would, I prefer to have my radio chosen by the uh, what the radio in the office has been stuck on for the last five years, which is magic, magic, and that's all you need to listen to. And so, you know, I think it is a. Disruptive to the entire workflow of the office.
0: What does Linda do in her downtime outside of work? She's, does she have any She's hobbies? working
1: on a podcast
0: <laughs> about, about HR, and it's it's called
1: it's it's called uh, Hugh Chain Resources, and it's uh, she interviews other human resources people uh who then suggest <laughs> then suggest another human resources person to come on uh, and Hugh chain resources is uh yeah it's 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 great it's great i mean they both come on they just belabor each other and with uh, with seemingly open questions which are actually meant to uh to undermine uh your your ability to criticize your bosses.
0: Is this sort of with a view to employment at the end of it? No, it's or... to
1: destroy people emotionally. <laughs> it's that that's the that's her game plan at the end. It's like, even, you know, like you didn't know it, but you've actually just been on the programme. You know, you thought you were doing your podcast. <laughs> she records every human resources encounter in her office uh and uses and uses it. And uh and she is very lax in beeping out people's names from it, it she is it, ironically she is actually going to be interviewed by someone else from HR they're going to have to bring in someone else outside who ironically is also working on her own podcast
0: <laughs> is this what is this what all human resources people do no, no just they just,
1: just it, well it turns it turns out that Linda and her boss uh, and the one above her and the one who's called in after that uh and then th- there's one after that is also recording her own podcast which is is called um <laughs> it's called uh, infinite resources <laughs> it's uh, infinite resources infinite resources uh it's uh <laughs> <laughs> it was called hp resources uh it's it's just because they like she likes the source it's not a tethered pun it's not a tethered (laughs) pun at all it's just she happens to like hp source and it works in human resources it's never come up though it's uh, it's very poorly thought out it's very poorly She i don't know why she chose it
0: that's a surprising lack of organization and initiative for someone who works in human resources thing
1: is uh they were studiously not laughing at the joke too much at the uh at the start of the program in the, of episode one and they just never got a chance to to say what it
0: meant and what do they hope to achieve from this uh oh uh just what does she I don't know, Lind, they Lind, they is this she... Enti- no <laughs> i no no the entire chain of
1: human resources people what do they as a group <laughs> hope to achieve Uh, Oh, the the enslavement of the human race, and the, uh, their, uh, by mind-forged manacles, which will, uh, which prevent any serious work or thought or criticism of, uh, of their masters, the archons of this age, being, um, being in any way interrogated through constant interrogation.
0: So, it's, uh... But very much be a home from home from home.
1: I think I, I think that's correct and the archons of this age uh the lord of tears himself uh is is taking steps at this point in time they they are not happy with your work either so I think it's quite important that you concentrate on your work you keep your nose to the grindstone and uh I'm afraid we are going to have to put you on furlough
0: is there any way to avoid uh enslavement
1: no I don't know why you're using the word enslavement. We don't, use, we don't like that word at all. Uh, this is this is employment. You, there is no escape from it. I don't know what to say. She's quite terrifying. <laughs> that is correct. That's the first correct thing you've said all day. That's Linda Worksop. That's my name. Now we will end this conversation forthwith. Yes. And I really hope that you will think about what we've said today. Ah, okay. I really hope you will.
0: I will. I absolutely will. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Has she gone?
1: She's gone now. Now she's gone. Thank fuck she's gone. Good. Christ. (laughs) Christ, she's terrifying.
0: Now, John Henry, would you um, please uh, reveal the name of the character you are going to give our next guest?
1: The next guest's character is going
0: to be Susan Turpentine. Susan Turpentine. Who is Susan Turpentine? We shall find out in the next episode of Out of Character. In the meantime thank you so much for being my guest, John Henry Fall. It's a pleasure, mate.
1: I'm Scott Hancock, and I host From Queer to Eternity, a new podcast
0: exploring what it means to be queer, where we have conversations like this. I look at younger generations and go, you can just Google this stuff. The fact that the only mention of queerness was don't get AIDS.
1: If I'd been marrying a girl, that would not have happened.
0: Maybe we can find a a universality that that we weren't aware of before. That's why this podcast is so great, because actually, I guess we just don't think to speak of this stuff, and yet it's part of our fabric.